Welcome back to use, another edition of High Key Book Club. Use your NPR voice. Okay. Welcome back. <laughs> so this movie was trippy. And <laughs> <laughs> well, so we had tickets. We bought tickets. And it was a painful experience. Too much to get into now to buy the tickets after I got out of work on Friday. And then we went to another event and I had had the time wrong of the movie. I thought it started at 9.15, but it started at 9.10. So unlike you. So responsible. I know. But as soon as Friday it, night it, comes around, no, listen, you are on it, a different planet. No, it was because I was seeing so many times and we we're trying to decide theaters and I think I just got mixed up. And... It's at Alamo Draft House, and we're rushing to get there. We we also thought we were closer to it than we were. Right. And we get there at about 9.25, and they turn us away. The girl says, <laughs> the movie has already started. We're not seating people anymore. And we're devastated. And we... I think you're you're putting a little bit more snark in her tone than she really... She was actually really nice. But what she was saying was not nice. Right. So I saw through it all. You're projecting your aggressions <laughs> onto your... That's not true. It's just... It was mean. Doesn't matter how you say it. And it's not her fault. But, like, she's representing the meanness. I mean, like, I can't count the times that I've come in late to a movie at a movie theater and just sat down. Right. But... Well, but that was back in the old days. Which... Yeah. So what we ended up doing is going to a showing at a Regal theater and... I was at 10.45, so way later. <laughs> and, <laughs> and why I don't remember anything. <laughs> and I'm going to need you to remind me what happened yes, in this movie. I'll give a good synopsis. And it was very nostalgic visiting mm, that how? Regal because it was all old school type of... I forgot how different the movie theater experience was before the Alamo Draft House and... The trend of yeah, lounge the chairs AMC and... AMC now, Cinemark, all of them have... The assigned seatings, the mm -hmm. fancy chairs, the more like bars and stuff at mm -hmm. some of them and whatever. But this was like the huge stadium. Like the, it was humongous. It so, was like high school days. Right. They're originally called movie palaces. And oh. that's what the the tradition is that they're pulling from. Uh, I mean, without getting too in the weeds, uh, movie palaces emerged in the 1920s when all of a sudden the upper class of society deemed movies to be a legit art form because when they started out, it was more for lower class. And so anyway, uh, that's when they booked these and that's pulling back from like theater and musical and opera traditions. They wanted to pack it with as many people as possible. So that's why we have those types of movie theaters that happened. And it was the idea of just packing in as many as possible. Yeah. Um, but Zelani and I were talking about how there's definitely this trend now where it's shifting from trying to get fewer people in, but more valuable customers. Yeah. And we definitely saw the reason why when we went to this movie theater, because there was like, we were one of four people at this screening. Yeah. I mean, it was a vastly empty giant room. Yeah. We got amazing seats. Like we already had gotten kind of bad seats in the movie and the 915 showing or 910. <laughs> <laughs> and we tried to get an, the next showing at the same theater at the draft house. And it was packed, like literally yeah. front row yeah. was the only thing available. And we were like, no. And 
at this place, we literally got to choose like from a huge <laughs> stadium of seats. Yeah, <laughs> what true. seats we got? It was also later, but even right. then, it was just so huge. It had it was like the fold out seats, and right. and it, they didn't have computerized like seat assigning things. Oh no, that where you bought oh, it, no. they were just <gasps> like we had paper tickets. Yeah, there was a guy that took our things, and like, we had to say like this movie at this time. Like now, <laughs> let me let me be clear. Mm-hmm. I miss the paper tickets so much I and know. I have an old canister at home with all of my <laughs> ticket stubs from all the movies I went to as a high schooler and it's something I really cherish to have this little hard record yeah of it's cute it's cool uh so I, I've been really sad going to the Alamo Draft House and everywhere else that I don't get that anymore uh, it's like I don't have any kind of token to remember my experience by yeah I mean it's it's different I I do miss that like a spontaneous movie going where you just show up and you're able to get a fine seat. You just mm-hmm. have to show up around the time the movie is mm-hmm. starting and don't have to like buy it three days in advance and to get a decent seat. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Now, you know. But there's also this added level of security and convenience knowing that. Right. That you have a good seat. Yeah. Waiting for you. Yeah. And you can arrive. But you, you, but we, you just can't be late. Well, yeah, we can't. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I get overconfident because I'm like, oh, we have assigned seats. Right. And I actually, I've never been turned away at an Alamo. I didn't know they did that. So. Well, I always thought because we see the, the, that info right. video thing they say that where it's like no talking, texting and don't arrive late. And I always think like, it doesn't matter. You're saying that now because anyone arriving late is not going to see this. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I always think that's ironic. I mean, yeah, it, it is. <laughs> I just def- I definitely had never experienced that, and I didn't expect it at all to happen to us. And so, sure enough, um, it was pretty sad. Yeah, the, there was this one time re- about a year ago. I went to a movie theater, kind of a classic one, like we had went to to see this. And I remember going into it, and I was literally the only person yeah. at, in the movie theater watching the movie, and it made me wonder if I hadn't purchased that ticket, would they have just canceled the screening? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so if you don't know, we are Heike Book Club. Heike Book Club. I'm Seleni. I am Cameron. And we're like a book club, but for TV and movies. <laughs> and motorcycles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just kidding. Right. So this <laughs> episode, we're going to cover Sorry to Bother You. Sorry to Bother You. It's kind of an indie You movie. don't have to be sorry. <laughs> it's like an indie movie. Written and directed by Boots Riley. Oh. Yeah. Who that? He's a rapper, oh. a musician, and activist. I think those are his main like titles. They describe him on all the things I read. And he is his debut film. And but he's been writing it since two thousand eleven. Cool. Yeah. So it's like an Obama era movie. Which that I guess we'll get into later. But he, he wanted it to be kind of clear that it's not necessarily about Trump mm-hmm. or anything because it wasn't even written in those times. Mm-hmm. So they had to because of that, they had to take out certain lines that could be interpreted as targeting Trump, even though it was just coincidence. So right. I guess we'll get to that. OK. Yeah. This is kind of this is a very experimental movie. I know that's I a feel good way to describe it. I because I was tr- I've been trying to tell more friends, more of my friends about it. And I'm coming up with a loss of words when it 
when trying to define right. the genre I, i'm like well, it, it's on genreable kind of yeah it's it's sci-fi fantasy is what they describe it but it's mm-hmm. also experimental just technical wise and i appreciated that because i left the movie theater kind of like the main thought i was thinking was how i hadn't realized how rigid the rules are for all movies <laughs> right like it's something you don't think about until they're broken exactly that it's like oh you can do so many things that no one or a lot of people don't try to do even yeah and it's very unfortunate that uh, here in our american society that we've become very rigid yeah uh in those expectations i mean not even from a audience standpoint i don't think but from a producer standpoint where they the people who have the means to create new stories Mm -hmm. they want to keep it defined within specific parameters that are of course they're tried and the you know they stand the test of time but this movie definitely shows that i think it's similar in some sense to eighth grade how but even even more in experimental for sure but i also think uh, on top of that, like that's what the times are asking for. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the it's, content it's definitely, necessitated that. It's a movie for these times, despite it being written back in the day. I think it still resonates a lot with the current atmosphere, right? Culturally, and uh, yeah, it just annoys me that yeah, because we talk about this a lot. The how Disney's remaking everything, and everything's getting revived on TV too, and it's like. People just want to make money and they're scared to take any risk at all Mm -hmm. because of the financial risks of that. But it's like it can be so fun. (laughs) Fun. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's like it's different. I mean, I think that you have a lot more to gain with a risk like that. And, And it shows that you're supporting new artistic endeavors that you're supporting creatives to think more outside of the box to try to look at something from in a new way that uh, and present it in a new way that can obviously in this case get conversation going and I think in my opinion bring more people into the theater I really didn't hear about it until an NPR interview and them talking about the offbeatness of it and so that alone just intrigued me and as an aspiring filmmaker i wanted to learn more so i would just feel like i would be so excited and interested to see a disney movie that takes like even a couple of the risks in Mm. this in this movie or like marvel or you know all these huge budget or i guess that they're the same person now right or no is that dc i don't know whoever but dc is warner brothers (laughs) Okay, so anyone with, like, that kind of huge impact sees something from them mm-hmm. that h- takes some technical risks, mm-hmm. I think that would be so exciting. It, it, that The reason I don't watch any superhero movies is because same old, same old. And I know that's what people go to see, I guess, but I don't know. I guess I don't know. I haven't seen enough right. of them to know if they're taking any risks, but right. I have a feeling they don't. They're not. Right. Like being artistic. I wish I had more insight <laughs> on that for you, but I mean, I, I Disney really don't. definitely isn't. Mm-hmm. It's. I just heard that Mulan is taking out Mushu and Li Shang, Shen Yu. 
Oh, uh, the like, live action one? Yeah, it's not going to have like anyone except Mulan from the cartoon. It's just like, I don't know. I, don't, like, I wonder why. It's like rehash. Maybe they're taking some risks. Maybe, Maybe. that's, uh, I would hope, but just like stop rehashing. But anyway, that's what I really appreciate about this movie. It was experimental at every turn, but like still followable and also still funny and colorful and like fun to watch. Not mm-hmm. like by experimental, I don't mean indie drab or, you know, like. Sure, right. I feel like indie has that reputation maybe mm-hmm. of being more boring and dry. Mm-hmm. But this is very colorful. It was very fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, definitely. And like unexpected. Like you don't know where it's going. Entirely unexpected. Completely. I, every scene, I think uh, that I know it's going one way. Well, it ends in going in a different direction. And, and it totally. Like, there's just a twist and turn around every corner. I had no idea where this movie was ending. And that demonstrated to me how it was breaking out of the shell of a typical Hollywood movie. Is that I I had no clue where this was going, what it was leading to, and definitely no idea how it was going to end. I had no idea, like, when we were getting to the ending. Yeah. You know? Like, it was even, like, when the climax happened, I was like, was that the climax? Yeah. Like, it was... It was hard to tell. And so for me, it was less about experiencing some sort of like movie experience where I'm following a character from one one position and one emotion to like a new emotion. And it was more about watching kind of how really like how the, the facts of this scenario, this world, this made up world were playing out, just like learning about what the facts of uh, were of the situation. So I, I forgot to mention that right now we're in the spoiler fleet. <laughs> spoiler <laughs> fleeting <free>. spoiler free. <laughs> spoiler free section of the episode. And mm-hmm. after the musical break, we'll talk about the specifics of all of right. these things we're mentioning. But right now it's more of like a review in case you haven't seen it and yeah. are not sure about it. Right. Yeah, we just want to try to give you a sense of how we felt about the movie yes. uh, without ruining any parts of it if you haven't seen it already. Yes, um, so totally. So that's what we're doing. And uh, we'll be going uh, a little bit deeper here in just a second, though. What did you, I mean, would you recommend going to see this movie, Zeleny? I say yes. I mean, especially if you like more artistic risks and whatnot. If Mm -hmm. you're like, if you only like, you know, superhero movies or Star Wars or whatever, probably not. Well, I don't know, honestly. I don't know those movies, but (laughs) it's just like, I wouldn't recommend it to my mom. Like I I told my mom I watched this and she was like, oh, cool. Should I watch it? And I was like, mm, no, <laughs> I don't think she would like it. It's kind of a little weird or it's too weird for someone like that. But if you you're into any, a little weird and sort of political, satirical commentary on our, about our society, for sure. I definitely recommend that. Right. So I think that it is a commentary, uh, but in on uh, like five different major yeah (laughs) different things it is it is abstract though and it takes Mm -hmm. a level of critical thinking yeah on the viewer's end to see what the messages are to see what the analogies and metaphors are that are happening in the movie because otherwise it will look and feel very strange and mm, probably trashy if if you i I mean that's i mean i just weird i feel like yeah they wouldn't maybe get it i don't know if you're just expecting a very normal movie if you got that you'd be like oh 
what that's super weird and mm-hmm. not worth it <laughs> like as we're going to get to in the later half uh we believe that the stylistic choices that they made were all for a uh, specific intention yeah to to convey a message about like I, I, social commentary definitely mm-hmm. um about how america is is it okay to say the race aspect of it here um just that <laughs> yeah that's that's what i would yeah, say yeah, yeah. i would say it definitely is a major case study of race in america and trying to but lots of other things capitalism Mm -hmm. corporate greed lots of things (laughs) yeah so we're going to get into all those topics and if you're interested definitely in seeing what a contemporary perspective on that is like then go to see this movie you should go right now go book your tickets but i told cameron right after we finished it that i felt like i needed to watch it 20 more times to like understand every theme going on because it feels like every scene has like symbolism in it or like referencing it's it it all represents something else in our real society even though it's pretty whimsical and weird so yeah if it's just that if you're just taking it at face value i think that from the first standpoint like it's so off the beaten path to begin with that it takes at least the initial viewing for you to understand yes just the framework of this type of movie to see what register it's operating on so that way when you go back to it at least you know now what the level is of the movie yeah yeah <laughs> i definitely want to watch it again you know because i can only imagine what other yeah yeah just all the little things that we didn't see uh, initially because we were just trying to figure out yeah. what this what it's going on i felt movie. like i needed to pause it after every scene and I get like a worksheet about yeah. it like <laughs> in high school english class how you get a worksheet like what did this person's yeah, yeah. curtain symbolize <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like you know you need <laughs> time to like think about it and but i love that yeah like it makes that makes it sound tedious but it, it's not i mean it's fun i definitely want to rewatch it like it's you're not gonna like my next comment but oh God. uh in some sense it's sort of like a long south park episode oh no i know you're not gonna uh, i know but gross. like hey i think south park has don't important he's social commentary he's disgraceful. but it's also like extreme <laughs> and using the grotesque in certain ways i and guess but this is way better than south park don't i agree don't believe him i agree it's not nasty. but i'm just saying if somebody is unlike familiar but like i'm just saying but like, maybe maybe I, it's not a fair comparison. I see a little what you mean, but yeah, don't. It's definitely not the nastiness of South Park. Trust me, I wouldn't. Yeah. like it. Right, <laughs> right, right. Just so people don't think it's yeah, it's not just like so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, that's a fair thought because I, I know South Park is a commentary. There's just too many gross things right. to like get me to yeah subscribe to it. Right. So I I, I hear where you're coming from. With that. that being said, do you have anything else to share before we move on? I don't think so. Okay, I think cool. we should move. Yeah, so we both recommend going to see this movie, and we hope that you do, so that if, you can come you back like and listen to more of those with us. Yes. We're on all of our channels, and so if you want to talk to us about it, we'll post it, and we'd love to have more conversation. That being said, we're going to move on to the second part of our episode today, and please stick around if you want to hear more about uh, the details of Sorry to Bother You, but if you've not seen it yet, then go ahead and pause right now, come back after you have, and we'll keep discussing
Okay, and so here we are in the second half of episode 34 of High Key Book Club. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. That's, that's your cue. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just hard because this movie, ha- I, like I said, has like so many themes. It's hard to find a place to start, but I guess I'll start with a little bit of a synopsis. So our protagonist, and we can like branch off from the synopsis like as we go through it. You know okay. what I mean? Into like the parts that were okay. significant. It won't just be like straight summary then. Okay, cool. Okay. So just. So we'll use the synopsis to guide our conversation. Yes. (laughs) Oh, lovely. It's like a recap. (laughs) We're figuring this out as we're going along, (laughs) y'all. Right. So So thanks for listening. We start off with our protagonist, Cassius Green, which I think it's hilarious that it's very literal. (laughs) Cash is green. Like his, it's not spelled like cash is, but it sounds the way they pronounce it. And they call him cash. But I mean, first symbolism right there. You know, money and greed is a big part of this. And he's trying to get or he's trying to lie his way into getting a telemarketing job, Mm -hmm. which is like it's not hard to get that job. Mm -hmm. So it's like the boss ends up being like, I hire anyone. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be making up random stuff. And he's also maybe like you think that's just to kind of like dive right into it. Is there a little bit of commentary there about? the prejudices that people of color experience in the application processes of corporate America and trying to get like, like in terms of how he has to overcompensate to try to that's a good point. get a position. I don't, that I feel like that's a very small thing since there's so many other big things going on in this yeah. movie. But I mean, that's an interesting way to think about it. I think it said Boots Riley was inspired by this because he had a friend that would always lie <laughs> very intensely in job interviews and, he never got caught, but I think like his brother got caught or something mm-hmm. once and that sort of inspired that. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things. I think in a number of jobs, it's very easy to lie. To right. Exactly. Just get in. And Boots Riley had worked as a telemarketer and that's why he went to that when writing. He because he knew that world, but he he sort of like, you know, it could have been anything that I had experienced. Hmm. But it ended up being important, but he went to it just because he had experience in it. Oh, yeah. well, that looked out for him. I definitely yeah. think it's a it's a good It one, is. It's you know. a good jumping point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, Also, we don't see that many movies exploring that yeah. culture. Well, yeah, because it's kind of like a behind the scenes kind of shady, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, well, I think that telemarketing it probably has this general yeah taboo quality about it that you know oh you're working for a telemarketer company like how how much lower can you go yeah it's kind of like the tax collector from you know one of jesus disciples in the Uh, (laughs) in the bible was a tax collector i think it was matthew or something like that and like he was very looked down upon by society because uh, he he was a tax collector i don't know that was like the telemarketers of those days. Probably some Bible <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> I know. I don't know why that stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those professions that's like, ugh. Yeah. yeah. So we're also introduced in the beginning to Cash in his garage apartment with his uncle, which I freaked out when I saw Terry Crews because I love him as the uncle. So he lives in his uncle's garage yes okay and with his girlfriend detroit played by tessa thompson cool who is very i feel like she's very beloved like fan favorite type yeah i've seen her i've seen her in some other stuff but i can't i couldn't put my finger on what i'd seen her in i've 
recently saw her in a Portlandia sketch, but I was catching up. It was a while ago. Got it. And she's dating Janelle Monet. Oh. You know who she is? No. She. Well, you've mentioned her before. The, the album Dirty Computer right. that I played for you? Yeah. That's her. And she was in Hidden Figures and right. Moonlight mm-hmm. that year. So she was like in two Oscar movies that year. Anyway, so she she's just, I feel like, very beloved. And her name is Detroit. So Terry Crews. And it was just so funny because I've been watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And it just feels, you know, when you're binge watching a show, you feel like so familiar with the characters. Sure. Like you you feel attached to them. So seeing him, it's hard to, I was like, that's the sergeant. Right. And and it's funny because in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, they're detectives. So they go undercover a lot. Mm -hmm. And he looked like he was undercover Mm because he was wearing like a very Mm -hmm. stylized costume. (laughs) And it just... I was like, Sergeant, what are you doing undercover? Because <laughs> he was wearing like the hair too. I'm so used to seeing him in a suit. Right. That it looks so like a costume. <laughs> but anyway, I love him. I was happy to see him. I, and I wasn't expecting him because he's not like a lead. Mm-hmm. So I just knew Tessa Thompson and like Keith Stanfield. That's his name. He was in Get Out and played a, a supporting role, but an important role. He had the titular callback, which is a term I just made up. And I don't know what. <laughs> It's really called, but the moment where the name of the movie is said. Yes. And in Get Out, we won't spoil anything, but he says the titular line mm-hmm. in Get and, Out. And so he's our protagonist in this movie. Yes. And he plays Cash. Right. And he does a really good job. So Very good acting. Yeah, we're introduced. He He's not making rent. He's trying to... Like, his uncle's about to lose his house, so everyone's getting evicted, pretty much. That's why he really needs this job and to start making money, but telemarketing's all commission. It is. So, he has to depend on that. So, this is where the white voice comes in, and that's, like, a hilarious experimental risk. Yes. And very... I mean, it's definitely a thing. Like, I, I know there's, like, a viral quote or tweet or i feel like it was a yearbook quote and it became viral on twitter but it was like anything is possible if you sound white on the phone and it was like a black girl like her high school yearbook and it was that was like her senior quote under it and or if you sound caucasian on the phone i just reminded me of that but it's, it's definitely a thing that like you know there's a lot of racism in america so it's you have way better chances if you come That's, off, man. Quote I, unquote white. I just totally can't relate at all to that right. because you're like, white. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I mean uh, yes, but I. What I'm trying to say is that, like, whenever like I I talk to somebody over the phone, like I I get excited when it's not like I can tell that it's not a white person, and I'm like, oh yay, like this is cool. Like it, right, and that but are- it, it depends. It just, you just have way better chances. And mm-hmm. it's also like you might not know it, but it. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's inherent biases that we can't totally account for. Sure. Like we as in the royal we or whatever it's called. <laughs> there's a lot of like just implicit bias you don't even realize you might have. It just statistically you have better chances. Huh. So it was a very fun way to explore that. In a very, like, over-the-top way, which was this movie was very over-the-top, like, exaggerating all of the points it was trying to make, which was cool. Yeah. And it was with dubbed with David Cross's voice. Mm-hmm. Right. So, in order to do the... In order for the black protagonist to have the white 
voice. So I, I thought that he was going to just pretend yeah, yeah, in yeah. his actual voice, but right. there's actual like he lip syncs over a recorded version of David Cross uh, talking in a very polite but like nerdy yeah, white, yeah, yeah. very nerdy white guy voice. Yeah, exactly. And David Cross has like a perfect voice for that. If you don't know who that is, if you look him up, you'll probably know who he is like right. on Google Images. He's in Arrested Development and He's them voice acting. Yeah, yeah, David Cross is he's classic. Yeah, he is. Um, and it, it, I think it was Danny Glover who I think that that he was the first person to do the white voice where he was like, here, let me show you how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember just as soon as I could tell that it was a recorded over, my jaw just dropped, yeah. and that's for me that was the first cue that I knew that this movie was going to be something else. Yeah, that it it was like. All right, this is an this is like an experimental film. Yeah, it's it's different. It's yeah. it's not just real, real. It's not going for realism. It's going for satire, right? And commentary. So something else that happens though in this period of the mm-hmm. film when we're setting up everything is he goes to the vending machine area and he meets one of his coworkers who uh, squeeze. Yeah, squeeze. <laughs> and he gives him a hard time at first about the the machine, but then you know they're just beating around and. Uh, they get to meet and they become partners and or like friends, friends. in the uh, work force. And it's an important relationship that they uh, create because it ends up being the center of the rebellion, the union that the telemarketers in this part of the company start to form and yeah. rebel. And we'll get to that. The other experimental point other than the white voice dubbing which is very i think it was super clever i don't know i, I like agree. that i like i that. completely agree. and using these recognizable voices because yeah. i read that boots riley wanted like recognizable white guy voice like nerdy white guy voices and david cross is perfect he's perfect the other mr bleep or whatever <laughs> his voice was by Patton oswald mm. um who's also kind of a he's a comedian and a lot of things so but the other part that was an ex- an experimental showcase in these scenes was also when he's telemarketing, getting transported into the mm-hmm. homes of people mm-hmm. or like. Well, we, right, right. So in the movie, when he's making a call, that call, uh, he he his desk that he's working at from the building that he's calling from, it gets dropped into whatever the scenario is that he's calling the other people from in their homes. Usually, was one of them like them having sex? Yes. And, yeah, and so which who would answer the phone? Right. Unless it was like an emergency looking call, but like I just whatever. Don't, I mean, I yeah, get we're it, not I get we're it. not here for realism, right? I guess, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, you yeah. know, that somebody yeah, would yeah, like yeah. go out of the way to answer the phone during the call, right, or during <laughs> sex. <I> mean, <laughs> So, but, but yeah, so what about that? So I thought that was, I mean, that's another experimental moment and Mm -hmm. clue that it's a more different movie Yes, and going there and doing weird stuff. And I think it's, it's a pretty straightforward, I would say, commentary on just like the invasiveness of telemarketing. Uh Like, you know, you didn't give them your number and it's just like invasive and intrusive. That's a really great way to look at it. And I think that one of the cool parts was when he started to use the white voice and the first time that it worked really well, they had this scene where he's with this other white dude and uh, they're all of a sudden this guy is talking to him as if they're best friends and they do like a high five. And I just 
thought that that was a really clever way of of showing just sort of like the success right that he's having with this new approach yeah of using the white voice so it's like that that stylistic element worked well for conveying what's happening with him it just showed you it was trippy it was going to be playful it it just sets you up at an early point yeah for all of that which it gets crazier and crazier and then they start floating around the idea of a union he also brings in detroit his girlfriend Mm -hmm. to like part-time there as well and this is also around the time though that they start to toy with the idea of moving up i think right right i mean they're that's always in the back of their mind when they get hired like that Mm -hmm. there's this idea of power callers if you do like amazing and everyone seems to kind of be working towards that but that's the promotion that they could get if they have amazing sales yeah and they keep pointing upwards like yeah it's up above which is just literally rising up the ladder whatever <laughs> no, th- th- there's an elevator there's a gold right elevator. right right <laughs> exactly so there's <laughs> gold elevator. there's that but they're also realizing they don't have a lot of rights and they want to get paid because uh, they don't get paid right because they get commission and the squeeze mainly it's like wanting or thinking about this idea of like unionizing or protesting mm-hmm. or that kind of thing during this uh, cash is getting really far ahead with his white voice like he they say he's a natural at it and he's doing really well and he starts to when he's coming into work he starts to see what's that one oh. character's name that the other black person that oh, oh mr bleep mr bleep <laughs> yeah and he sees him coming so what is the deal with mr bleep's eye patch i don't know <laughs> i think it's just to be like weird i just <laughs> mysterious <laughs> yeah it's a very strange character to me but he is very obviously the like i mean i think he was like the only other person of color that went up went up right and he to me symbolized this person who has already been transformed right he's already been converted into the white person culture and so cassius keeps running into him when he's coming to work and seeing the elevator while at the same time his uh co-worker the squeeze squeeze (laughs) is uh continuing to try to organize uh, also with his girlfriend uh, to rebel yeah. and, uh, with Detroit um, and to, to really organize a union protest. And they're successful-ish like at first. I mean, they definitely get a lot of people to come out. But then we start to see this conflict happening in the character of Cassius where he's living two lives at once, mm-hmm. basically, right? But also during all of this, we're, we're seeing these ads for worry-free oh yeah um, yeah which is that's kind like of the, the motif kind of yeah yeah it keeps popping up there's billboards by that like gas or convenience store they're right. always passing by right and and the newspapers yeah and the tvs like yeah. on tv and they, they also show this group called i think they were called left eye which they had like the black mark under their eye, like football players, but just like yeah, one of them asymmetrical. Yeah, so and they're very they're the protesters against worry free, and, and it's, it's 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 very much uh, like a glamorized slave labor system because wow, you're jumping right into it. Oh, <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, you can see that from pretty early on in the ads and right. stuff that it's like promising this life. I was life. confused. Like, uh, I mean, at first I just didn't know what it was all about. I mean, the title worry free, like what is that? Yeah. You have these 
what look like very subdued like type of families that are just living happily amongst each other yeah. <laughs> and then it wasn't like i wasn't exactly clear what was happening with the like labor <laughs> aspect of it but yeah so you see these billboards throughout it's like the very early like part. prettily marketed right but, but the the commercials say like oh I mean, just sign a contract and a lifetime. The, I mean, the example for me that keeps coming back is from Wally. How the by and large was like the big corporation uh, oh. in that movie, and in the first half we see these like signs, like with billboards right, and old right, newspapers right. showing like what the power of the corporation is. Yeah, this is more of like a Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Commentary. I mean, I I think of Amazon. Yeah. Be, lately, honestly, because of all of the worker protests and just stuff about how they're badly paid and stuff, and how Jeff Bezos has makes bajillions of dollars mm-hmm. like a minute or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I think of that, but a lot of other huge corporations mm-hmm. or like New Age Silicon Valley corporations are like this right and it's definitely an example of kind of like globalism in the sense of like outsourcing your labor Mm. like how that's just the trend for the last 40 50 years is that we've like all big companies have looked to the find the cheapest labor as possible Mm -hmm. uh regardless of the ethics or conditions of those workers yeah it just seems very shady and very like neatly packaged right it's it's too clean yeah (laughs) (laughs) so Uh, eventually okay or i was just gonna say Mm -hmm. uh the newspaper part is important because there's like these two i remember they show like they throw like a newspaper on the table and there's a really quick shot to it. And it's so quick that you don't really get to read what the headline of the newspaper is. And so I thought that was strange to mm. me. And I was like, why did they show it that shot so shortly and just to cut to a different shot, not let me read the entire thing. I still don't know exactly why they did it, <laughs> but they did come back to another shot to that was a lot longer so that you could read the entire mm. headline. And the headline was showing that the, uh, like I, that's an example of a scene I want to revisit to mm-hmm. to know why Definitely. they did that. But the headline goes: the worry fr- like the Supreme Court rules that worry free is clear of charges, like yeah. that they're clear of any wrongdoing. And so it sets the stage in context of worry free. Suddenly, they just won this big Supreme Court case. So clearly, now they're gearing up for some sort of like big move, like. No, you know, they, they feel like they're in the clear. They're to like make validated. The, yeah. They're, they're good. Exactly. Which definitely propels us into the next steps of yeah. the movie. So Cassius, using his voice and his new success, gets promoted to power collar. Hey. <laughs> and gets to go upstairs. And I love that scene when they tell him when they break it oh to yeah, him. And yeah. he's, and he, he's well, like about to quit. Like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, we got nothing but good news for you, brother. <laughs> right but then at that point it's almost like a death wish because it's like he always has to use his white voice from that well yeah the the upstairs is white voice only and that's where you hear mr bleep's voice Mm -hmm. um as Patton oswald but it's like always there i guess we never hear his real voice it's crazy how when you do go upstairs it looks like a totally different world it it looks very like polished silicon valley yeah like apple yeah (laughs) google (laughs) yeah and he has like a fancy little office cube thing Mm -hmm. with 
with windows and iPad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets promoted, but they tell him that they're and and they do tell him downstairs. There's like I feel like the workers are like. Oh, they don't sell encyclopedias up there. Right. They're selling something else. But like they don't they don't say know what. what. Yeah. yeah. And then he finds out what and it's like their main client is worry free and they're selling the labor yes. of these people. Yeah, that's their product that they're trying to sell. So I get what is the premise of worry free? Like does worry free try to tell people that are like depressed and on on like the verge of I mean suicide that like they can no. offer a way out? No, I think it's more like... How do they recruit the laborers? It's just like you have three meals a day and housing for life. And... Oh, so you, it's like... And you just work for us. Oh, okay, right. But you have to... Like, you'll be taken care of for life. I remember that commercial. They describe it really early on. Yeah. But, yeah, it's like, you know, it's the new frontier where yeah. you don't have to worry about paying for your food or right. for your rent or anything like that. We'll cover all of your living costs. You just come work for us. Yeah. But so, we find out what they, the real cost is. Yeah. And they sign contracts to like their whole life yeah. is dedicated to them. So yeah, he's cash is in, in the upstairs is selling labor. Right. And don't we see a commercial with the CEO on Oprah? On Oprah. Was it not Oprah? I don't, I don't remember. I, I mean, I remember seeing the CEO pop up. In yeah, the, I think in they the like media. the first time we see him, I think and is in an interview with Oprah, but I could uh, be wrong. I don't know if it was Oprah. Played, but he was like an interview. Played by Army Hammer. Oh, is that who? Yeah. Okay. I didn't. He, I don't know who that is. He, like, what's he known for? Social Network. He played the Winkle <gasps> oh, Boss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. And now I remember. He, he, he was like com- in Call Me By Your Name. He oh, was okay. the okay. lover, I guess. I don't know. I haven't seen it. So. I see. No spoilers because I haven't seen it. I just <laughs> assume he's the lover of right. Timothy, whatever. So, but he's been in a lot of other things. Those are just the main ones. He's outrageous. I know. I, know. I mean, it was, I guess he always plays, or in Social Network, he is kind of a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He just seems so like, he's so pretty. So it's like, you think he's good, but then he's not. <laughs> yeah. He's very like tech looking like oh, very for sure. <laughs> he's very ceo yeah like material exactly ceo of a tech right like a new age tech company so i guess we can jump to the apparently cash it continues to do very well with his voice uh-huh. in the higher floors right and so he he starts upgrading his life like there's a completely. montage right there's a montage and it's very much a nod to michelle gondry mm. i think it's that eternal sunshine, practical effects of yeah. things changing, right. which is really cool. Man, that and sequence was awesome. It was amazing. And it, I, there was a callback to Michelle Gondry, but we'll get there because I was so proud of myself for noticing the reference and it's in the video at the end. Nice. But yeah, because there's so much happening in this movie. I was happy to catch something that I was like, oh, I know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so... That there's that montage. He he. So we're we're ta- this is taking place in Oakland, which I think is also important. I mean, Boots Riley is from Oakland, but I think it's also important because it's like a place very much known for its gentrification and mm-hmm. all of that. I feel like it's an important place in the U.S. I've never been to California. Well, I've never been to San Francisco or Oakland, but I just it's just known for that. I mm. feel like and how ridiculously expensive it is now it's like the birth i mean other than like brooklyn and Mm -hmm. i i think of brooklyn and i think of oakland as like the gentrified places that Mm -hmm. are ridiculously expensive now 
So he lives in this bougie apartment after making some money here. It, it looks like in a very nice area too, like so the, so at the, the window and all that. Yeah, and, and that's like such a fine touch detail that really stood out to me because it clearly demonstrates that i mean you could tell from just the interior that the apartment is a bougie apartment but this center of the frame window that is overlooking over their bed it shows that they're on this like triangle of the intersection which is just very obviously would would be a very desirable like yeah. most expensive loft of whatever this building very is. very expensive yeah in an area like this yeah you would so it looks like it looks like he's in the center of like Times square right or yeah it looked like the flat iron building right right exactly (laughs) which maybe they have one i don't know but (laughs) 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 but anyway so he's moving up in the world but he's also kind of getting distance from his girlfriend detroit losing his roots who loves yeah she loves him a lot and like he forgets to pick her up because he's busy doing whatever and like stuff like that. Well, he, there's a key part, right, where mm-hmm. he when after they just did this transition into the new apartment, when they wake up, he accidentally uses the white voice. Oh, t- yeah, yeah, yeah. To her <laughs> where he didn't even realize. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I just I don't even notice it these yeah. days. And that is definitely the sign where he's getting yeah. taken over by his greed yeah. of uh, and, and losing touch of, of who he is with mm-hmm. and who he agreed uh, who his friends are and then we have the moment which is a whole i feel like whole tangent issue which is the viral because so there's protests and his friends are trying to get him to like join them in their unionizing efforts and they're outside they're they're like protesting outside and not going into work and they want him to join and they, but they then specifically want to block the higher ups from being able to get yeah, inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's one of them and he's trying to get through the power callers, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> he gets hit in the in the head with a soda can and <laughs> it becomes viral. Oh, and I forgot. It's so cheesy like the right. animation of it. And it becomes like a total Total what? <laughs> I forgot. But I mean, just, it's an important clip. No, it's... Oh, I, I I know what I was going to say. It becomes, like, his costume for the rest of the movie as well. Oh! Like... That's so interesting. Yeah. Like, it's something that when we were watching it, I noticed, but I didn't recall that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but it also becomes this viral moment that involves, like, the girl that throws the can, and she becomes, like, a pseudo-celebrity. And I feel like it's just a commentary on... Just like you how know, the 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 randomness of things that mm. go viral, the stupidity of yes. them. Yes. I, I did read some criticism of that being like unrealistic, even though I know the whole movie is unrealistic, but like in a in a bad way, unrealistic. But I think it's a good commentary because it's like so stupid yeah. and meaningless, and it's just commenting on how stupid the things that go viral are. Right. Like, yeah, I I don't I don't see it as like to it, it seemed too mundane to go viral is what whatever article it was was arguing but like no like this, shit, this how, shit goes viral oh my gosh how can it picky could you get i mean yeah. first off we've already covered so much in this podcast episode that this is not a movie shooting for realism right exactly everything is exaggerated and if you can't get that from the first like 10 minutes of watching this movie then you've yeah, lost yeah, the yeah. point exactly <laughs> so i approve of this comment on viral things and and yeah like viral it's like the stars of these viral things like 
sometimes if they play their cards right, they end up doing big things, you know, right. and becoming like sort of celebrities and making money yeah. from their celebrityness, like the girl that threw the the can. Yeah. And I think it, I mean, you could also, also like what's just like ridiculous that a can <laughs> like actually hurts them so bad. Well, no, it's it's not that weird though because if if the edge hits you and they they did show the wound at some point under the bandage uh-huh. and it was like a little like cut like oh. and I could see it being like Can it really hurt you that bad? Yeah, at a high velocity and uh-huh. like think of like the rim of it uh-huh. like hitting you at an right. angle it could okay. cut. I I think that's plausible especially i think it was full it looked full okay so definitely <laughs> if it. it's full it. it would hurt a lot so it's funny though like yeah. like i i think somebody just getting hit in the head with a can is funny right. and it would to me that would make sense for it going viral right but it's also like it, it's also this you know commentary of you know i'm you know i'm protesting i'm sticking it to the man i'm throwing it to somebody yeah. who i think it's also funny it's like a, a coke can yeah well uh, it's yeah. like the, the brand in the movie is called like soda. It's just soda, <laughs> but it's red and white yeah. like Coke. And I was like, oh, yeah. It, it, <laughs> I mean, it also is like hitting him with corporate. Yeah. You know, there you go. <laughs> I, I'm just there's I feel like there's so many little things that right. are just fun to like analyze. Well, I definitely want to just come back to the headband costume part that you mentioned. Why? I mean, just oh, now. well, it's just <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I mean, I don't know. I think that there's something. So, so the vibe that I was getting a lot was like this Jimi Hendrix vibe because oh. Jimi Hendrix was known for yeah, yeah. wearing a headband like that. I mean, I and there's like folklore as to why he would do it. Like, I think he just did it because he wanted to keep sweat from getting his eyes during concerts because mm. he did sweat a lot. But the common kind of conspiracy or folklore around it was that he would, I guess, like either he had like a scab or something in oh, there. And what he would do is he would like take his acid and he would put it in the scab or like put it right there and then keep like the headband over it. And like, that's how he would trip trip during his <laughs> concerts, I guess. That's a very strange conspiracy, but yeah. that's an interesting reference. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, he keeps it on the rest of the time. Yeah. And so it's like the sign of, so, so it's a very ra- rugged touch costume touch and you know it's got his his blood that spreads over time it's like rather than just like taking it off or replacing it or watching it like he he holds on to it as like the blood spreads over time and i think that it's an important piece of symbolism for him to like come back to his roots to come back to like not being the refined fine-tuned power caller um, that he is trying to be yeah so that's an important moment it sort of makes him also recognizable like as mm-hmm. pseudo celebrity as well and it made me think of like the how viral things like that can be dehumanizing to people because people just know them as that and it's just like they become a meme rather than just a person but i don't know so and the and the, the co- i thought it was hilarious they had costumes of it and it just reminds me of like easy halloween costumes you know like you just need <laughs> yeah, a wig and the the can, which is totally what people do nowadays. Exactly, like it's just so, I don't know, accurate to our culture nowadays, meme culture. So that's an important commentary. Yeah. And we and also, I wonder if, oh, I was just okay. like, I wonder if he could have like, uh, if that was like in a later draft of the script. I don't know if he right. could have written that in there during two thousand. I don't know, honestly. It's I feel like these kinds of things were also very predicted. Mm-hmm. Like even the Andy Warhol quote, that's like, 
in the future everyone will be famous 15 minutes that's like a very overly said andy warhol quote uh-huh. but like that was in the 80s and he's right <laughs> yep. so then w- i i guess along with this we also have sort of a commentary on reality tv which i think is kind of hand in hand hmm. the i got the shit kicked out of me show is very oh, right. I, I saw it as super like okay reality tv exploit people and hurts yeah. them for yeah. people's enjoyment i got game show out of it well same kind of thing i feel like because a lot of reality tv shows are i mean i would consider or i feel like there's people that consider top model drag race probably wrong way game shows yeah. like they're reality but they're a game <laughs> right at the same time so I, I don't know i feel like it's a commentary on where we're going just mm-hmm. exploiting people very like cruelly and the only entertainment that sells is uh violence yeah and i think people go like going on to that show to like get exposure for things right. which is like the reason people exploit absolutely themselves that's on what reality, reality tv is really right. all about and this is like the neoliberalism that we can't find definitions of online but <laughs> yeah if you know what if you know a definition for neoliberalism in one sentence please let us, us know tweet <laughs> us at Hagi book club because so the idea is kind of that I understood, but we couldn't find any real definition of is how reality TV or, or media exploits the free labor of people that are on the show in exchange for exposure for them, like capitalizes on people's like misfortunes or mm-hmm. bad, you know, <laughs> or desires to improve themselves. Yeah. Or like in the hope of uh, being able to uh, fix themselves or make themselves better for society while the people who are controlling the means of this entire production are the people who are really capitalizing. and Yeah, like the, the production, the producers of the show, the companies are the ones making money off of like these people's like interactions and competition, like mm-hmm. everything that people do on these shows. Willingness to subject themselves yeah, with to- the hope of possibly you know breaking through or, or yeah. having their own success where right. in reality like the vast majority of them don't yeah and they'll never get anywhere near the financial gain that exactly. the company would exactly. so if that made any sense i hope it did <laughs> and this if you if you listen to our drag race podcast episode this is the reason cameron took off points in the end exactly we just couldn't go into it because it was a lot exactly but yeah, because any competitive reality TV show is guilty of this. And I'll just say, you know, I took a reality TV class at UT in the American Studies Department, and we had an entire week uh, unit on neoliberalism. And so there are academic writings about this phenomenon in reality TV. Then you have sources. Where are your sources, I, though? They were in my laptop. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> sorry. I'll have to log into that Canvas class and yeah, pull them out. You too. <laughs> so, but, um, but there are writings. Yeah. People have written about this. Right. So you can look into it. We just couldn't find it in a short, concise way to like tell it to y'all. But I I like that commentary on just our media exploiting people for exposure. And then there's also like a small little parody. It's more of a reference to MTV Cribs in Mm -hmm. the worry free camp where they're like showing their bunker. But it's like lame. (laughs) (laughs) And it was called like NTV Cribs or something. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So ridiculous. I know. Okay, so let's get to the let's get to the party. So Cash's success 
Good. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, we got to get to the party. Like, it's we're done with <laughs> we're this episode. Going, we're going <laughs> to the pizza party. We might get pizza. <laughs> so, pizza hands. I know. Call back. First up. Anyway. So, <laughs> okay. So the cash is success in the power collar area. He, I mean, he gets past the protesters and his friends don't like him for that. And he, but he's getting very successful and he gets the attention of the CEO of Worry Free, their mm. main client. Steve Lift, which I thought it was like, is it reference to Steve Jobs? His name is Steve. <laughs> Whatever. He gets his attention and gets invited to one of his parties at his fancy mansion, mm-hmm. I guess. And I, I felt like gearing up to the climax uh, of the movie. Right, right, right. right, right. I agree. I agree. The, the party. And a lot of shit goes down at it. It was definitely like a new chapter, right? And yeah. it showed me that this was like the it next was, level that the movie is yeah, going to go to. It was to. gearing up and, yeah. and it did. Wait, wasn't he like apprehensive at first? Like he didn't want to go or something? Well, I think he had his girlfriend something or other to go to, but then he he was going to the party after. Oh, okay. like he had something else, but then he. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, like oh, her performance, her, her art. performance art. Yeah, right. Are we gonna talk about that too? Um, I don't know. Do you have much to say about it? I mean, I just have a little bit. I think that there. I mean, I think it was actually a really important scene. Yeah. Um, it definitely for me it shows the difference in the societies of like low class versus high class and how the low class is gonna do whatever they can, uh, to in terms of doing art to to promote their message of their injustices. Yeah. Uh, that they experience being low class. Uh, specifically in this context, for her as a performance artist, she. She, all of her works on the wall are some sort of artistic design of Africa, mm-hmm. of the country of Africa geographically. And so I think that that's a very important little piece of this movie that is actually pretty big. It's trying to show that Africa, you know, th- I, I think that there's this loss of identity among African-Americans. I think that that's a little bit of the message is like this loss of identity and trying to come back to it, but also trying to demonstrate how racist whites will be like, go back to Africa, you know, but it's like, I'm not from Africa. I'm here. Like I'm from here. Right. Right. That (laughs) That, too. Yeah. Uh, And then, and then also how her performance is about, you know, throwing things at her. Um, I can't remember. There was like blood Blood, balloons and some other things like hard items. of Yeah. And so that, kind of piles on the symbolism of of slavery of being abused right right and mistreated based on their racial identity for sure and so i i felt like it was a just really powerful piece that honestly i'd have to watch the scene yeah a few more times to That's kind of I really felt. dive into it so and then for the character for cassius he it's like he he does go to support her for a short period of time, but he doesn't stay for the whole performance. In fact, he just stays. He just when it starts and then leaves. Oh, oh wait, he interrupts it. Oh, yeah. Because he's he, like, stop. Yeah. He's like, what are you guys all doing this? And then she's like, he's like, why would you? He asks her, why would you let them do this? And I can't remember exactly what she says, but she's like, you know, you wouldn't understand. This is art. Like I'm doing what I'm doing to stand up for my yeah, cause. Right. Right. And I then, think he's more of the camp of like conform yeah and move up that way so that you're not oppressed rather than like and i think that that's sort of that's definitely what's happening in this dynamic Mm -hmm. is that he is making this deliberate decision to leave one side of him behind and pursue this other side right right which is very neoliberal like it's like you know wanting to sacrifice your 
authenticity in exchange for Success. money. Yeah, money. Right, and power. Yeah, money that, and power. And, yeah, and I want, that's why I think the term actually power caller is very specific. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? That, yeah, for sure. So there's something to that. So, right, and then after he interrupts her and then leaves, he goes to the CEO's party. Yeah, and a lot of shit goes down. There's that super awkward where they make him rap, which is super symbolic of like just white people being like just putting minorities in boxes in their own respective boxes because not just black people every sort of non-white person has their own boxes that white people might want them to act like it was like super (laughs) fucked up and accurate yes you know yeah and like them being like so into culture like like rap here but like then being oppressive well like right and then at the party how when they go into that uh, uh room there where they're all hanging out uh, he starts to use his white voice at first and then the CEO yeah. goes, no, no, it's okay. You can use your, your real uh, voice. Yeah. And then, so he does. Uh, yeah, exactly. But obviously it's like this manipulative way to make him feel more comfortable. And then well, all of a sudden, and, and just, I think it's commentary on using black people as entertainment, yeah, which totally. is like a totally thing. American society is guilty of. So that's definitely what I think this scene was all about yeah. too um and cringe. then just to kind of wrap it up when so they ask him to they chant rap rap yeah, rap yeah, rap yeah. so all this peer pressure they go out to the main room and they put on some beats and he can't rap right yeah because like, he told them i yeah, don't rap exactly I, don't know, I can't <laughs> so and so whenever everybody's giving them uh giving him their attention and they're not into it when he's you know trying but obviously not rapping like he can't do it but then he decides to go i'm not gonna say it but like inward (laughs) inward inward shit inward 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 shit and that's what gets everybody in the yeah all the white people like yeah and i mean clearly yeah all the actors were very uh hesitant (laughs) to film that and but it's very i mean like everything in this movie it's an exaggerated version or like yeah version of like what really happens mm-hmm. and like how yeah i just thought that was a really power when i was watching yeah. that that was some deep truth that yes. i i haven't seen something as real as that in a long time yeah totally so so then we have sort of the climax of yeah, i feel like it's the get out moment mm-hmm. I, I i don't want to keep referencing get out because i don't want to spoil get out if you haven't seen it right (laughs) and this is definitely the part where like if you have continued to listen and still haven't seen the movie (laughs) you should probably stop right this is where the floodgates open yeah so they're having the party winds down in some sense yeah yeah, leads on to the debauchery point where everybody it's like a giant orgy cocaine and orgy yeah time and oh i forgot about how he's like a cocaine addict right typical (laughs) ceo right <laughs> no, exactly white ceo <laughs> which yeah. we explored in our pose yes episode, <laughs> episode <laughs> if you want to listen back yeah so there's the cocaine and sex is a big part of this party and they go back to have their talk because they're like they tell cash like steve wants to see you yeah in his office whatever and they go he goes and they end up talking like because steve wants something from him but then he needs to use the bathroom oh yeah and then he 
They t- he tells him to go to the jade door, but then he goes through the olive door. Which <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, "That's not jade." The other right. one, that other one looks like jade. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so he goes in, and this is where he finds the. <laughs> that is such an interesting. I'm like, I wonder if there's any significance to the jade versus olive <laughs> line in terms of how he perceives color. Hmm. Uh, I feel like that may be reading too much into it, but okay. I like it. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so he goes through the wrong. Because it's like door. all shades of gray. In this sense, shades of green. Right. Apparently, I learned recently that green has more shades of it than any other color in what? the color spectrum. I don't know that. It makes sense because it's right in the middle. Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, so he goes into the door and finds the big secret. <laughs> the big dirty secret of this co- corporation. Right. And <laughs> Which is shocking. Yes. It's a new species. <sighs> Called Equisapiens. <laughs> so this I is think the sci-fi part? Yes. So this, I think Equi as an equestrian. Yeah, uh, right. They're like horse people. Horse people. Yeah. But it's like, it's not like a uh, centaur. No, no, no. Not a centaur. <laughs> it's more just like human-ish body, just a little bigger and with a horse, more horse-ish face right. and a big penis. If any of you out there have ever played World of Warcraft or know anything about mystical oh. creatures, it's like a druid. Okay. Druid is the <laughs> name of a type of creature that was similar to this. Got it. Steve finds him. It's like, you went through the wrong door, obviously, and brings him back. And it's like, and it's a super humorous moment. <laughs> it's like, no, you just, you didn't, <laughs> you just need to see the video. Everything's chill. If you just saw the video, you wouldn't be so scared. Like, you just need the video. <laughs> like, it's just so funny. <laughs> oh, he's it's like, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's like, oh, it's going to make sense. You yeah. just got to watch this video. Yeah. It's like, now you got ahead of yourself, like getting all scared about it. Because <laughs> it's really a really scary horror movie type of scene. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> but he comes back and puts on the video and at some point gives him cocaine to snort and he does. Then he plays the video and that's the nod to Michelle Gondry. It was like, a film by Michelle Dondry or something oh. like that. <laughs> it's, it's the movie, how it starts. It's like a claymation that's really creepy and explains that they're making these horse people to be like a subservient working class, mm-hmm. just free subservient, labor. Uh, but also like powerful and right. with strong. Very strong. Yeah. This is very much a like direct reference to slavery. In yes. terms of, yeah, specifically sure. like dumbing down, not giving them any kinds of skills or education yeah. and, and, and purely focusing on building them to be to be strong yeah. laborers. For sure. And he's physically he's proposing cash be become sort of the the MLK. See, right. Which is <laughs> shady as hell. But yeah. like sort of the representative for worry free, but secretly a representative that keeps them in line it's so ridiculous yeah. like well the thing that was hilarious is that he hands them the note and it's like this is what i'm offering you and then it's, <laughs> it's like i'm offering you 100 million dollars smiley, smiley face, face. <laughs> it's like written in marker yeah. <laughs> like i love that it's so playful to like the seriousness of like it really is this you know action movie or, or you know Movies that take themselves too seriously, like, that's hilarious. I love that. He's like, you haven't even seen what I'm offering you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's great. It's a good reveal, you know? It's amazing. Yeah. It was perfect. That was probably the funniest moment. (laughs) Even though it was a super fucked up moment. But uh, it's just, it's just funny. Like, it was playful. Just the idea that, like, all of this movie has been leading up to this big proposal of him getting this ultimate job. And the proposal is just absolutely insane. Yeah. So Five contrived, years. yeah, and and then in the video to prevent rebellion from the Equisapiens, yeah, <laughs> and then in the video it explains how you you become an Equisapiens and it's through snorting this cocaine-looking right. substance, and then he's like, "Wait, what? What did he just snort?" Yeah, and then he's like, "No, that was just cocaine, whatever." And I, I knew then I was like, "Hmm." I don't think it was cocaine. I don't, <laughs> you know. Hey, th- let this be a lesson to everyone. Yeah. Never snort anything. Yeah, don't. It's so that's so terrifying. I feel like in media I've been watching recently, it's always it always comes up and it just freaks me out. Like yeah. I've seen so much cocaine in the in the things I've been watching lately that I'm like, <laughs> yeah. stop. <laughs> Hey, it's a real problem. You know, it, it's yeah. it's definitely it, it's a drug that's out there. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, OK, so everybody makes their own choices, but you just never know what you're going to get on a black market. So yeah, it's um, just addiction is no joke. And it's just so word. There's so many substances that fuck you up in that way. And that's like a whole it's like giving yourself an illness by yeah. just starting whatever. That was is not the don't do drugs program, <laughs> right? Exactly. But that is scary because you can turn into a horse. So it it ends up there's a riot. <laughs> yes. So the union workers fight the police finally, like, and the Equisapiens join in. Right. At this point, this was I mean after they had their meeting in his yeah. office. At this point is when I think Cassius starts to. He starts to come back to his roots more. He starts yeah. to go back to the, the protest group and joins the union and becomes basically like the MLK yeah, for them. Well, because what they do is they try to release the video mm-hmm. of the, the horse people. They He goes on, right. the, on the game right. show to do that. And then it backfires and they see Steve Lift and Worry Free as like uh, innovators in science for it. And their stock goes up and they end up winning more from it oh it's messed up yeah so that's why i don't know the riots get crazy Uh because this this news comes out Mm -hmm. the riots happen and the equisapiens i forget how they get free but they get free Mm -hmm. and they help and they have all the strength and they're on the side of the union workers very pro-union right (laughs) and they like cash gets knocked out but then they find him and free him from the back of a police van or something mm-hmm. and they're cool with him so just uh from uh my this is gonna be my one cinematography note for the movie i thought it was a really cool shot how they had um his perspective when he was in the back of this police van while the riot is happening yeah uh, they show just his little view uh like a little rectangle that he can see through it's like just barely big enough for his eyeballs and that's the uh, shot. And it's just really cool because all you have is this tiny little strip to see the chaos that's happening on the outside. And 
in it, you have to kind of interpret what is going on yeah. out there and who is winning what. Like, are the Equisapiens winning or the police? And it was a, from a cinematography standpoint, it was a really cool choice. I liked it a lot. Yeah. And it's it's a smart way when you're indie and have a smaller budget mm-hmm. to do things like that. Because mm-hmm. it ends up looking cool, but it's also a way... Because you, you obviously can't have the CGI fighting. That's a, yeah, that's a good yeah, point. You can CGI less. Yeah, exactly. You, that's a good point. It's like good More tricks. Budget. Good yeah. tricks to use. That it's so practical because that's literally the perspective that right, the protagonist exactly. can see. So it, it's smart of them. Really cool. Or it makes sense. Yeah. So Cassius is trying to go back to his normal life, back to the garage. And then he realizes, yeah, he didn't snore the cocaine. And it was horse transforming power powder <laughs> horse transforming powder <laughs> and he turns into an equisapien and so it's like that's like the kind of teaser last shot where he was it like he gets well no he like sneezes the girlfriend tr- oh i thought he got the girlfriend thinks he got hit by the door coming down yeah 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 but but then when he turns around yeah. it's actually Mm-hmm. His nose but is becoming horse like. He does become a leader, but more of like a resistance type leader uh-huh. with the Equisapiens. Yeah. And goes to beat up. Yeah, so they break into the, yeah. the mansion of mm-hmm. the CEO. And then the final last shot is of him walking into that room, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Into the office. It's, it's I guess, it, it's up to you to figure out what happens but it's mm-hmm. probably violent against yeah. steve lift but yeah it was just it was all it was also a big commentary like you said on slavery and like you see it and and this was in all, a lot of the articles i read too how steve list is lift is so obsessed with their penises like mm. their like the horse penis thing and it's just like that all, all that obsession with that and their strength is just very like an exaggerated version of our society just viewing like black people as yeah bodies or you know yeah. just idolizing them well there's in a stereotype that like you know black right. people that's black men have right so that's what i mean like like idolizing that but also oppressing them mm-hmm. completely it's yeah so hypocritical very much so yeah. So apparently, stuff. also they had to take out a line that said that uh, "worry free is making America great again," wow. which was written before Trump used that. Dang. And yeah, they took that out because they didn't want it to be like taken as a commentary on Trump. It's more a commentary on American society. When a phrase like that has just become so ingrained exactly, yeah. at this point, so um, I thought that was interesting. It really is. <laughs> It's like ironic because it's also a bad thing. And it's like, right. Worry free is a bad entity. Yeah. Trump is bad. You know, it's like, why is it? Why is that the villain slogan? (laughs) I also think it's interesting that this whole movie is is about commentary. It's about going against the grain and not trying to be politically correct or anything. But yet there's still at least one thing that they had to the producers had to intervene with well i don't think it was about that they just didn't want to distract okay like they didn't want people to be like oh this is about trump and trump's america because then it would make it really easy yeah to come to a conclusion about what we're watching and they wanted more that's a that's a great point broader yeah yeah i appreciate that this was written before trump's time anyway so it, it, it was not affected by trump that's good yeah 
It is. Well, uh, we've we've talked a whole lot and <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we've covered the movie from more A than, to Z. More than we intended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your final grade, Zeleni? What's yours? A plus. Really? What? I think I'd give I it an A+. I was going to say A. Yeah, I, I was leaning against an A, but I went for A+. Plus just because I think that this movie is ahead of its time. Now you're making me rethink it. Oh, no. I mean, why'd you give A? I don't know. Like, I can't think of anything that I didn't like about the movie. Right. Um, that's true. And I can't think of anything where I felt like they did it wrong or right. could have done it better. Fine. I'll go with A+. Plus. Okay. <laughs> and it's got excellent rewatch value because I definitely yes. can't wait to watch it that's again. That's definitely true. Maybe that's what was taking off points that like I feel like one time isn't enough. Mm. And right now I don't have the ability to go see it 10 times. Yeah. But <laughs> eventually. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's going to be like Get Out was for me. Like the yeah. first time I saw Get Out, I was just like, really? And that's it. But then the second time I watched it, I was like, yeah. oh my God, yeah. I was sleeping. For sure. <laughs> that's how I feel like this movie is. For sure. For but even more because it has more per shot. <laughs> I feel mm-hmm. like. All right. Well, thanks so much for checking in. Do we have any shout outs today? <laughs> I want to give a shout out. Okay. Um, I'm going to shout out my friend uh, over in Los Angeles, <laughs> Daniel Fickman. Okay, cool. Yeah, Daniel Fickman gets the shout out for today. You saw some of the photos from when we were talking about eighth grade. Uh, he was in oh. some of the photos <laughs> from my high school. He's a high school friend of mine, also in the theater department that I was in. He was in one grade below me, but w- we had so many adventures and uh, a lot of classic times. I, I remember a lot driving, I think, in his Nissan Sentra and listening to Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre in <laughs> his... Uh, Nissan Sentra. And so those were good old fun times. And he made a Facebook post recently. can't remember about what, but I had commented saying that, uh, oh, he made a post about the Dark Knight and like reshowing the trailer. And then I talked, I said, I mentioned the Dark Knight in our newest Incredibles 2 podcast episode and told him that maybe I'd shout him out. So oh, cool. Yeah. Shout out to Daniel. Shout out to Daniel. Hopefully he's listening. If you have any thoughts on Sorry to Bother You or anything we should cover, you can always email us at hikingbookclub at gmail.com or tweet us or Instagram DM us at hikingbookclub. That's right. Or follow us. Uh, and you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram to be warned of what is coming next, what mm-hmm. we're book clubbing. Right. We we make it up as we go. We don't always know what we're it's about true. to do. We just like to know for sure before we tell y'all. So that's why sometimes it's a little delayed because mm-hmm. we can't make up our minds. We fight a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> But we've been it's really true. enjoying this month. It, it's This month has offici- unofficially kind of been a new things month. Like okay. everything we've covered, it's like current, like happening now. Yeah, like they came out. Yeah, Drag Race, yeah. Season 10, Pose, 8th Grade. Incredibles. Incredibles 2. And now, sorry to bother you. So I, I don't know. I think we've just, there's so much stuff coming out. Yeah, there's we've just been excited about it. So it's true. Sorry, it's been all of that, but it's also I think it's fun. I think it's good. And and yeah. hopefully it brings a few more people out to the theaters. Yeah, and that's always good. Support your support your local theaters <laughs> and try to support indie movies because so yeah, a lot of people making jobs out of this. For sure. And they're good. They're different. They they make you think. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. And we all know nobody's going to go buy it on DVD or Blu-ray. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that being said, uh, we've got some pizza to go get at the pizza party. So we'll see y'all next week. Thanks so much for listening. 